Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome in on this Thursday. Great to be with you. My name is Michael Bork. You're listening to the Rebel Report podcast. Like I said, great to be with you on this Thursday morning as I record this. And I know that you guys are having a pretty good day. I am fairly confident about that. I try not to speak in absolutes, although I do it kind of frequently. But I'm pretty sure that the Ole Miss fan listening to this Ole Miss-based podcast today is in a really good mood. So we're going to talk about that today. National Signing Day yesterday. One player, it was a big one though, a very important one, and it's not just because it's a good football player. I'm going to talk about all that coming up here, but first, I do want to remind you, number one, if you've watched uh, the the new morning stream, I appreciate it. Uh, I've really enjoyed myself doing that. And, And if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, I have started a, a new thing on the uh, Super Talk or Sports Talk Mississippi social channels. I just go live every morning on Periscope and Facebook Live. Uh, I put it in podcast form as well. Uh, so just search Michael Borky or Borky Show. You can find it uh, every day there. That's also the feed that my Sunday radio show goes on. And uh, so that's there uh, for you as well. But anyway, if you've watched the stream... I really appreciate it. I'm having a lot of fun doing that. And if you haven't yet, uh, check it out. It's not going to be just Ole Miss focused. It will be a a little bit different. It's going to be more catered towards, one, Mississippi in totality first. And then, you know, just my thoughts on the the bigger stories in the sports world. Uh, But I've had a lot of fun doing that. So check that out. Also follow me on Twitter, at Michael Borky. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. And the show is brought to you by LB's just across from Kroger and University Avenue. Go by, see Greg, tell him that we at Super Talk sent you and uh, get one of their daily lunch specials Monday through Friday. The weather this weekend in Oxford is perfect for grilling. Just a little bit cool. Sunday, for example, Super Bowl Sunday, high of 57 but partly cloudy. That's perfect grilling weather, man. Throw on uh, some sweatpants and a long sleeve shirt and enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday behind the grill and get that started at LB's. All right, so National Signing Day, and I, I try my hardest. So a little inside on you know my line of thinking and how I approach my job. Uh, I try my hardest, and I don't... A lot of you would probably think I don't do a very good job. I, I am certainly, uh, I would like to think, and I, you know, I fail at this too, I'm pretty self-aware, I think. I am not anywhere near close to being as good as I would like to be. I practice all the time. I work hard. I take on a million projects. I do all the work for the afternoon radio. I mean, I, I do it all. I'm, very, I'm stretched pretty thin. And I want to do that because I want to get better because I know I'm not good enough yet. Uh, but I work really hard at this. And I try my hardest, especially to come at things with like new or unique or original angles. I like to have uh, long, drawn out, deep thoughts. When it's a sports story, I don't just think, well, yeah, that was really good, uh, and then move on. I hate that. I-, I want myself to be known, even if sometimes it annoys people, as somebody that will go deeper. You know, I, I want depth in my thoughts and my analysis and my takes on things. Th- that's how I want to be known. And I, I come up short all the time. 
I'm not near a finished product, but that's what I try to do because I have career aspirations that extend beyond just this. I hope that's okay to say out loud, but I do. I want to be the next Dan Patrick. I'm well aware of how unlikely that is. Um, If I'm being honest with myself, it's never going to happen, but dare to dream, right? That's what I try to do every day. I think that serves myself and my family best. I think that serves you, the listener, best. I don't know if sitting here and just pumping sunshine and just telling you how great everything is, and um, I just don't think that's best. Some days, when things are good, you just have to be honest. When things are bad, you have to be honest. So, for example, Ole Miss beat Tennessee in basketball the other night. It's a very nice win. Tennessee's the number 11 team in the country, but I don't think it changes anything about the way you should look at this basketball team. It's one game. Uh, They're one game above 500. Uh, They have to do this multiple times for that to matter. Bad teams upset good teams in the regular season in college basketball all the time. So I'm not going to tell you that, well, this is the turning point. I'm not going to do that because I don't believe that to be the case. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think... Right now, you can only look at that as one win. Now, if they go and beat Auburn this weekend, maybe you start looking at them differently. But right now, it's just one game. And so, that's kind of what I'm talking about. I think that serves me best to try to be as honest with you as I possibly can. But I also try to come at unique and and original angles. But all that is a long-winded way to say that right now, When you're talking about your football program, this recruiting class, everything else, there's nothing else to say other than how good it is. There's no unique angle I can take. There's no uh, water I can pour. Uh, There's no rain that that I can do on this parade. I've thought about it. I've tried to think, you know, maybe... There's something here that nobody else is talking about. There's not. Yesterday was the conclusion of a really good recruiting day for Ole Miss. Because I looped December into that. There's no other way to look at this. There's only positive. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the point I'm trying to make here. Did a very bad job of doing it which I do a very bad job quite often. I understand that. I'm not not very good at this. I would like to be, but I'm not. There is nothing negative that I can say. There's no other angle other than yesterday was a day for you, the Ole Miss fan, looking at your program. It's only awesome. That's the only position, the only angle that you can take when it comes to the status, the current state of your football program with its recruiting, with the university leadership, specifically Keith Carter and what he's done. That's the biggest winner in all of this. Yesterday, I didn't see anybody giving credit to Keith Carter. And I understand that. It's all about Kiffin and football and stuff. But some people don't quite understand how difficult of a decision firing Matt Luke was for Keith Carter. And how for a period of time, how unpopular with very powerful certain people, the idea of Lane Kiffin was. I don't think that is understood enough. There was a lot of pressure, a lot of negative pushback on Keith Carter when it became apparent that he was considering firing Matt Luke. And then when the name Kiffin came up, 
that was really unpopular with a certain very powerful number of people. I think yesterday, while Kiffin's been great since he took over and the recruiting class is great, I think more credit needs to be given to Keith Carter (laughs) for what he's done, what he did, and how he's managed it. Uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, at least based on my understanding of the situation, Lane Kiffin is very satisfied with his boss right now because his boss only cares about one thing. Well, I guess two things. Keep me out of the negative news, keep my programs out of the negative news, and win football games. That's it. And based on what I'm told, for whatever it's worth to you, uh, that has very resonated very strongly with Lane Kiffin. He very... And, you know, maybe it doesn't make a difference. I think he's not long for Oxford, and I think that's okay. But there is a, as I understand it, a very, a very strong satisfaction with his leadership right now. Because, again, as I understand it, it's mostly just win football games. I'll get out of your way. Just go win. Make my program better. Go win. I'll take care of the rest. So that's worth noting. But like I said, the decision to move on from Matt Luke was more difficult than a lot of people think it was. There was a lot of negative pressure. And yesterday, winning the bowl, I said this after the bowl game, and yesterday's another confirmation, another justification for the decision that Keith Carter made and how it was the right move at the right time. It had to be done, and it took some intestinal fortitude. It took some some guts to make that decision more than people will actually give it credit for. So there's that. But then, of course, looking at it from just a football perspective, um, there's only one way to look at this. There's only one way to look at the recruiting class as a whole, and it is a remarkable accomplishment. It can't be overstated. I, I sound repetitive. I said this after the early signing period. It cannot be overstated at all exactly how difficult of a job recruiting in this cycle was. And you guys know this. Ole Miss gets negatively recruited against with a different energy that other schools get. It's not, it's not fair. It's unfounded in modern times, but Ole Miss's history is used against them all the time. With all of that, with COVID and the inability to have official visitors and no junior days and nothing, it's a first. this is the first real full cycle recruiting for Lane Kiffin and his staff, and they just signed the number 18 class in college football. It cannot, it simply cannot be overstated how good of a job that is. There's no other way to look at it. They closed well. They signed high-quality in-state kids. They signed high-quality out-of-state kids, which I think is just as, if not more important. And you guys have heard me go through this before, I'm sure. Um, you, If you try to put all your eggs in the Mississippi basket, you're going to fail as a program. Because no matter what, no matter what the, the state of the two programs is, Mississippi State will always sign a select number of in-state kids. No matter how much better you are, anything. It doesn't matter, and vice versa. Ole Miss is always going to sign certain in-state kids. If Mississippi State only recruited Mississippi, they're going to get absolutely freaking buried. And the same thing goes for Ole Miss. So when that talking point was out there that they're not recruiting Mississippi enough, it was garbage. Because if you only recruit Mississippi, if you're dependent on this state, you're going to lose. 
There is a a structure here that does not allow for you to dominate the the in-state recruiting. It will never happen. If you want to build a nationally competitive roster, you get the best kids you can in this state, and you branch out otherwise. You don't sign kids from Mississippi just to sign them. Lane Kiffin, and I'm going to play the press conference for you at the end of the podcast, he, he touched on that. You want to be a national program? Yeah, you recruit the, the best kids in your state, the kids that you think can play in your state, but you got to go national. If you want to be an elite program, it's what you got to do, and it's what they did. It cannot be overstated how good of a job this is. I'm being repetitive because it bears repeating. Um, the previous coaching staff could not have done this. The coaching staff before that, I don't think could have done this. Seriously. This is a big deal. And considering how good the 2022 class is, especially in the state of Mississippi, and the fact that hopefully, knock on wood, you'll be able to host official visitors at some point, um, only imagine what can happen with a regular uh, recruiting cycle with this staff. And then they go win eight, possibly nine games next year and, and then see what happens. Um, this is remarkable. And then the class itself. So I'll get to Malone in a second, but the class itself, I, I mean, if you look at how they structured this class, so they signed eight four-stars according to Rivals. They are a wide receiver, a defensive back, a linebacker, an athlete that'll probably play in the secondary, a quarterback, a tight end, a defensive end, a defensive tackle. They didn't load up on four four four-star wide receivers. No, their blue chip players in this class are, are different. It's spread out. They signed impact players on the defensive line. They signed wide receivers that they needed because they're losing Elijah Moore and they need production. They signed offensive line help. They got a really good kicker. They signed eight defensive backs. I mean, it's not just that they signed the number 18 class. They signed a class that actually makes sense, that has positions of need being addressed. It's... It can't be overstated. I don't think you've had this kind of recruiting with a purpose in a long time. Maybe ever. All right, and on time alone, he was the only guy that signed yesterday. The defensive tackle also plays baseball uh, out of New Jersey, and it's it's a big deal beyond just the fact that he's a defensive lineman. So the three reasons why I think this is a big deal. Number one, of course, it's a position of desperate need. Now, you could... Put that like one through five. They need a defensive line help. They need a defensive line help. They need a defensive line help. And he is an elite level defensive lineman that everybody wanted. He is a national blue chip. Everybody wants this kid kind of defensive lineman. So number one, they needed one. Number two, it's a guy from not Mississippi that everybody wanted. You want to be a national program? You want to go from winning Outback Bowls to actually competing in the SEC for SEC championships, you got to get kids like that. Multiple, more than one. And they did that in this cycle. Hudson Wolf was wanted by everybody. That's the point. They have multiple players in this class, not from Mississippi, Miramar, Florida, Nashville, Tennessee, Melbourne, Florida, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, outside of Nashville, Tennessee. That everybody wanted. That's the difference. That, that's what will take you a step forward. So 
Number one, they needed defensive line help. Number two, high level, everybody wanted prospect from not Mississippi. And number three, they closed. That That's something that since 2013, the program has really struggled with. They have not closed well. And in the early signing period, this staff did. And then they get the one guy that they needed. The, the one guy that they were after in this cycle. And they closed on him. Texas A&M made a strong push. And you guys know how they've been recruiting lately. A&M signed a top 10 class. I think top 5 class without looking at it. A&M's been tough. Usually when you've been up against Texas A&M, you've lost. Not this time. It's a big deal. So they needed him. He's not from Mississippi. National kid. And they closed well. And that's a really big deal. That's why I think it's it extends beyond. It's bigger than uh, just signing a, a good player. It's how and where and the history of the program makes this uh, even more significant than before. And it's also a really good reminder about why you don't uh, talk about recruiting rankings in the summer. We did this a lot. On this podcast, I talked about it this summer, about how, you know, the mayor and her retweets and other people talking about how this Ole Miss class was awful and stuff like that, and Mississippi State fans and, quote, media were getting in on it, uh, talking about Ole Miss recruiting and how awful it is, and even... Some people that cover Ole Miss were very uh, critical of the recruiting class in the summer. And I told you right here that um, discussing recruiting positively or negatively in the summer is a really stupid thing to do because signing day is until December and February. And if you thought that this staff and their pedigree was not going to recruit well, um, that was either a gross lack of knowledge or agenda pushing. I mean, that's really the only way you can come up with it. And I, I told you guys, remember Arkansas had this great class this summer. I remember this. Everybody, wow, look at the job that Sam Pittman has done. And this is just unbelievable what Arkansas is doing. And they were like a top 10 class at the time. And everybody was pointing at Arkansas, how, how wow, what a turnaround. And um, Ole Miss and Mississippi State both, out-recruited Arkansas. I think at the time Ole Miss had six or seven commits, and I said, right now I would trade Ole Miss's class for Arkansas's. Look at the average star rating. Look at who they've got. Arkansas has filled a class with three stars, and that's exactly what they did. When the ink is dry, Ole Miss out-recruited Arkansas. Because that was July, and Arkansas had like 20 commits. A lot of people learned a lesson. I know there's uh, there's been some uh, state people on Twitter and stuff that are getting uh, old takes exposed on uh, on the things they said, and and then vice versa. Some people that cover Ole Miss are kind of catching heat today, and you know they should because you shouldn't talk about recruiting rankings in the summer. I think we all learned a valuable lesson there. It's uh, an important one because this staff. I mean, it was just too good to not recruit well. And they were in the middle of a pandemic, man. I mean, uh, anyway. All right, Lane Kiffin, I'll play this audio for you here in a little bit. Um, Some interesting things he says, uh, specifically talking about how helpful uh, 
baseball was in his recruitment. National recruiting guys did not give enough credit to the baseball side of things at all. Uh, They really didn't give it enough credit. This kid wants to play baseball. And Ole Miss, apparently Mike Bianco and company, uh, were excellent in that effort. Lane Kiffin said at times the baseball staff was more important to his recruitment than the football staff. I mean, you'll hear him say it. Uh, It's a big deal. The kid wants to play both, and that matters. I think there's a guy in the 2022 class, uh, a defensive player that wants to play both. And guess what? Ole Miss has an inroad. They have examples that they can use, and it it really matters. It makes a difference. So you're going to hear Kiffin say that here in a second. Uh, He also uh, mentions the national recruiting thing, how um, it's just not important to sign kids because of location. You get the best players you can, and and he touches on that. Um, He's asked about his new position coaches. You'll hear him touch on that as well. he had a good quote, actually. He said, it's it's helpful to have a baseball program that wins, but uh, the one that, that they've got wins with style. I thought that was kind of cool, because that's not uh, something that you used to be able to say about Ole Miss, but last year especially, I mean, you guys know this, it was fun as hell to watch Ole Miss play baseball. And um, it seems like Lane Kiffin noticed that as well. So... Anyway, all right, I'm going to play that for you now, and I'll end the podcast there. So for whatever it's worth, uh, here's Lane Kiffin with the media uh, after signing day yesterday. It's mostly about Malone, uh, but he has asked some other things as well. Some interesting insight. He also tells the story about how uh, he missed Malone's signing announcement because he was at yoga. He thought it was going to be later in the day. So uh, you can hear that uh, as well. All right, anyway, um, so here's that, and I'll end the podcast there. Thank you for uh, making it a part of your day. Here is uh, Lane Kiffin meeting with the media after signing day yesterday. You know, we've done this um, before. This is signing one player. Um, so, you know, we were very excited about the initial class of the 24 players um, that were actually signed, including some other players. And to add one today, a uh, top 50 player in the country uh, who's not just a great football player, but a great baseball player too, so we can continue the relationship of having kids play two sports, which we definitely are about. I think that's great for them. It's great for the university, um, just like like John Rice and just like Ely do. So um, you just usually don't find 325 pounders that do it, and we happen to find them. So um, I'm sure whatever rankings, this is the top 20 class in all the rankings, whatever that means. Uh, most importantly, that we got a great player today. And, you know, it's kind of like the draft, like day one, where there was a first round, just, you know, top players. And we got, you know, we're really excited about our pick. And we obviously need a defensive. And so this fits into the 14 defensive players that we signed, I believe, 10, which are already here which is huge, you know, so they're already training, they're going to have spring ball, um, you know, to create immediate competition at those spots. And that's a lot of players, 14 uh, plus some quality walk-ons, and they are all defensive linemen and DBs. So that'll be awesome for spring and for our own current players to be motivated to know there's really great players coming in to take their spots. And we're going to be a national program, you know, that's what we've got to do, create competition that, 
that great players are backed up by great players and um and they got to play against great players every day in practice so uh, we're just starting our way to getting there um i think that there were you know some of may say oh there's only six mississippi players well we're going to recruit mississippi and sign the best players in mississippi and some years it'll be more some years it'll be less and it's just happened to be a big year but also you know an initial press conference told you guys that you know we're going to be a national program compete to be you know a top 10 15 20 program go to big bowl games you know those programs don't just recruit their state those programs recruit nationally as you see this one all over the place kids from florida kids from all the way up in the northeast you know philly dc so you know uh, that, that's what we're going to do and hopefully i think your year that you perform shows up more in two years down the road not necessarily that season itself so i think the way that we played the excitement the energy around the program helped but i think that'll pay off even more next year and you know and hopefully you'll see us get more national top players um, to add to our program so we become one of those elite programs that we're chasing and that that we came here to be all right thanks coach uh, nick you can start us off Just talking about being a national program, can you talk us through how you found a kid in New Jersey in the middle of a pandemic? Just kind of what was the process of bringing Taiwan here? Well, he's no secret. I think you got offers by everybody in the country. So we went down to the wire all the way today with some big time, great programs, learning him out. So um, Coach Partridge did a great job. Um, Marquise helped him as well. But um, you know, you obviously great connections up there from Bergen Catholic. I think the last player that we sent out of Bergen Catholic was Brian Cushing. So um, if he can play anything like Cushing did, we'll be in pretty good shape. Paris, you want to go ahead? Lane, when did you learn uh, from Taiwan that he was coming? Uh, when you did, which is very unusual. Um, you know, I usually have a saying, if you're watching and you don't know, you're not getting him. And uh, we, we had a really good feeling. Um, you know, Partridge, probably 30 minutes before the announcement, said 99%. But, you know, he had, he had not told me the actual words, which usually they do. And everyone else is watching, is watching, and, and you're not going to win. So this was one, one of those unusual cases. But he's kind of a quiet kid to himself. So every once in a while this happens. Well, that was kind of what we had read and seen, I guess, or what I had read and seen. So when you're you're watching an announcement like that and you don't know, or are you pacing? Are you sitting? Do you go to the kitchen? I mean, what, what do you do during that time? Well, I actually couldn't find it on the computer, and I thought it was a little bit later. Um, and so I actually uh, was finishing up yoga and came out of it, and I called Partridge saying, hey, where, I can't find this thing. He goes, oh, he's already coming. So... Um, I guess it was good luck that I didn't actually see it. Ben, you can go. Lane, you already kind of touched on this, but um, the collaborative effort with baseball, with two-way guys, you've done it for now over a year. What's that like in the relationship with the baseball staff? Well, it's awesome to have a top whatever five program. I think we're number one in the country before COVID um, to have and. One thing to have a great baseball program that wins, it's another thing to have one that wins and wins with style and has a crowd like the way they do at baseball games that, you know, these kids don't know about it around the entire country and they know about the outfield deal, everything. So, um, 
you know, the baseball staff was unbelievable in the, in the recruitment. And that's unusual because a lot of times I see goes a football player and play some baseball, but um, coach and, and the, his assistants did an unbelievable job. And um, I got on our assistants because I think they, they did a better job than ours did at times. So um, it, it was a group effort though. You know, we had Zooms with every, I think one of the Zooms with them, we had like 28 people on it. So um, a lot of credit to a lot of people. Next is Neil. Hey, Lane, I was wondering if uh, with some of the spots that you still have left in this class, if you kind of had a, a, an idea of which way you were going to move in terms of the, the transfer portal, the grad transfer portal, that kind of thing. Well, I think you're going to see two waves. The initial wave that already happened, um, we weathered that pretty well ourselves with our own players. Um, and that's, the uh, you know, right after the season or right towards the end of the season where we lost a couple, but for the most part, not, not lose, you know, productive players um, on paper. So uh, I think you, there'll be another wave after spring, you know, around the country. And also since the rule really wasn't passed, just assumed to be that I think there are some kids around the country that were like, okay, they probably would have left, but they want to wait and see to make sure that it's passed. And there's also the question, is the SEC rule going to pass as well? So will you not be able to just transfer? Will you be able to enter a conference to transfer um, one time for free? So I think you're going to see kids wait, and uh, that's why we have held a few spots um, because it would be great. It's like free agency, you know, it'd be, especially on defense. It'd be great to add a couple of premier players with our last couple of spots, um, you know, to get us where we want to be on defense. You basically just answered my follow-up question, but I was going to ask, are there specific positions that right now when you look at your roster, you're like, okay, we're a little deficient there, and you want to address that? We want to, you know, when you're down to – you know, a couple spots, you want to get great players. And so I think it will be, I would like them to be defensive players, um, you know, especially, you know, some defensive line. And, but, you know, we'll see. And we'll take, you know, there, if there's a great player and we have other guys in that position, we're going to take them because that's what, that's what big time programs do. Next is Yancey. Coach, uh, the last month of Tyrone's recruitment, you did not have a defensive line coach in place. How were you able to overcome that? Well, I think Coach Partridge did an amazing job with them. You know, we we talk to kids all the time in recruiting. You know, don't pick places for the position coach. We see that all the time. They pick it because of position coach, and they leave. Position coach leaves, and they want to transfer. You know, you got to pick a place for the university, someone that you, even if coaches move, you still want to go to. Um, I think a lot of times they do the head coach too, you know, but, um, you know, Marquis did a great job recruiting him throughout the process with um, Coach Partridge. And um, so um, they did a really good job. And I think this kid was more than who's the D-line coach, you know, because this is a two-sport athlete with a lot of play. That's a very, very smart, intelligent kid too you know, that was big on education as well. Thanks, Coach. Yep. Next is John. There we go. Finally got it. How's it going, Lane? Um, I know you still have a couple spots still open, but based on kind of where you guys were heading into, you know, getting this class together, would you say the class that you put together was better than what you expected it to be? or And how would you just overall kind of rate that uh, this class? 
Well, I think it's a lot better than what I would have expected it to be with the circumstances. You know, in normal circumstances, I think it, it would have been even a better class because I think we have great game day environment, great fans, which these kids didn't get to come see. Um, we've got great assistant coaches, university, which a lot of them didn't get to see. So it's like a virtual tour and didn't get to meet. So I think we would have had even a better class in normal circumstances, but the circumstances being so crazy of, you know, not being able to go visit them, them not coming to games. I thought our assistant coaches did an amazing job, you know, to sign a class, a top 20 class without that. Because it's, it's easy if you're a, a top 10 program, you know, it, that's really where the kids should go because they don't get a chance to come to other campuses, meet the coaches, and go with the safe bet. You know, go to, you know, your Alabama, your Clemson's, Ohio State's, whatever it is. So, I just think our guys did a great job under extremely hard circumstances. Next is David. Lane, just to follow up to something you were asked previously, but I know he hasn't been here long, but can you tell us a little bit about the role Randall Joyner might have played in the recruitment of Taiwan Malone? Yeah, it was obviously really late. Um, you know, we got to ask Taiwan that more. Um, I know that, that they did talk. He was on one of the Zooms at the end uh, when we were w- with him and his family. So um, I don't I don't know. You have to ask him. But um, what we know of Randall is he is a phenomenal recruiter. We've heard that from a number of people. And we researched these guys all the way back to when he was the GA for Urban Meyer and talking to Urban about him. So he said he was one of his favorite guys he's ever had. So we're excited to add him as a coach and a recruiter. Can you also comment on Coleman Hutzler and John David Baker as well as new staff additions? Yeah, I think that, you know, Coleman brings us SEC and especially special teams coordinator. So he knows the team, knows how they play and, and has recruited in the SEC, which is, which is huge. Um, you know, and then, you know, we got with John, we got a tight end coach that um, people rave about his overall knowledge, eventually be a coordinator and, and possibly a head coach someday. So um, just really thought in the interview process that he really knew a lot of football. And, it, you know, it was a bright, whatever, 30-year-old um, coaching at USC that um, knows, a lot of, knows a lot about offense and not just, you know, the air raid offense. Next is Parrish. Lane, can you tell us what you're hearing uh, about spring football? I mean, what do you think it's going to happen? Uh, I do. Um, I'm operating as that. And so um, I don't have our dates in front of us, um, but, you know, we, we do. We are planning on having it. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.